Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of the Book Review Podcast. This is Unknown Friends, and you're listening to episode 11 of season 2. I'm your host from Kitty Wayne Productions, Rochelle Ferguson, and you can visit our website at kittywayneproductions.com. If you enjoy the Unknown Friends podcast, please remember to subscribe and leave a quick review to let others know why you enjoy it. And remember that you can also access more content from me, including bonus podcast episodes, by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash unknownfriends. So thanks for tuning in today to hear this week's book review of a classic children's novel, which I hope you've heard of, at least if not already read, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim by Robert C. O'Brien. This book just hit its 50th anniversary this year, as it was published in 1971, and in 1972, it won the Newbery Medal. Uh, the Newbery, of course, uh, one of the most prestigious awards given to one outstanding work of children's literature each year. And it's been going on for almost a century now. We haven't actually reviewed any Newbery award-winning titles yet on the podcast, um, but a couple authors we've discussed did write other books that won the Newbery. Uh, Kate DiCamillo, for instance, who wrote The Magician's Elephant, which I reviewed last season, has written two children's novels that won Newbery Awards in 2004 and 2014. And also Claire Vanderpool, whose novel Navigating Early I discussed way, way back in my third episode ever. Uh, she won the Newbery with her debut novel, Moon Over Manifest, in 2011. So Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim is technically the first Newbery-winning novel we've ever discussed, and I think it's high time we did. So to start off, a quick look at the author himself, Robert C. O'Brien, or more properly, Robert Leslie Carroll Conley, which was his true full name. He was born into an Irish Catholic family in 1918 in Brooklyn, New York, and he was the middle child of five siblings. He entered college at age 17, but then left, uh, worked for a little while, tried another college for a while, but that didn't last. In other words, O'Brien referred to this time in his life as his breakdown. But eventually, at age 22, he did graduate from university with a Bachelor of Arts in English. He played piano and at one time had considered a career as a musician, but ultimately he focused on literature and journalism. Uh, three years after graduating, he married a girl named Sally, and they eventually had three daughters and a son, and their marriage lasted for 30 years until O'Brien's death. Uh, he worked for a few different newspapers as a journalist for several years after he graduated from university uh, throughout the 1940s. During World War II, he was exempt from the draft due to some physical condition. I wasn't able to learn what exactly it was, though I do know that later in life he was diagnosed with glaucoma, so I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. In 1951, he began writing and traveling for National Geographic, and he remained in that position for the rest of his life until he died 
from a heart attack in 1973 when he was only 55 years old. Now, you've heard people talk about late bloomers. Well, O'Brien, as a novelist, was definitely what you'd call a late bloomer. He wrote and published four novels all in the last five years of his life. So he wrote uh, first two books, The Silver Crown and Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, for children. And then his third and fourth books were written for adults, titled A Report from Group 17 and Z for Zachariah. Uh, This last novel actually wasn't quite finished when he died unexpectedly, and his wife Sally and one of their daughters had to help uh, finish it following the notes he had written, and they published the book after his death. Now, all of these books, even though two are children's novels and two are for adults, share elements of science fiction. O'Brien seems to have been particularly interested in modern uh, scientific research and experimentation and how science can be used to affect our minds. So we're talking mind control through uh, training and through chemicals and various things. Um, While I've only read one of his four books from reading a little bit about the other three, it sounds like they all touch on these themes at least a little bit. Uh, The two books for children, however, are not just science fiction, but they blend sci-fi and fantasy. So in Mrs. Frisbee and the Wrath of Nim, for instance, our characters are talking animals, um, i.e. we have a fantasy premise in which animals are sentient. But then as you get into the story, science fiction enters the plot in ways that I probably shouldn't reveal or I could spoil some things, but just take my word for it. You end up with what might properly be called a science fantasy children's novel. Science fantasy is an actual term used for literature that blends sci-fi and fantasy. Not a very well-defined term, but I did not make it up. So, uh, so Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim was O'Brien's second book, published in 1971, just two years before his death. Uh, and by the way, before I forget, he wrote under the name Robert C. O'Brien instead of his actual name, Robert Leslie Carroll Conley, because um, under his contract with National Geographic, he technically was not supposed to publish with any other company. Um, in fact, when Mrs. Frisbee won the Newbery Award in 1972, O'Brien's speech had to be delivered by his editor so that his true identity uh, wouldn't be revealed. Anyway, that's about all I know of Robert O'Brien's biography, so let's focus in now on Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Mrs. Frisbee is our heroine, and she is a mouse. And moreover, unlike most heroines of children's books who are usually young and adventurous, Mrs. Frisbee is a very domestic, very devoted mother of four young mice, and she herself is widowed. She is brave um, and industrious and willing to take risks, uh, forced as she is to take care of her children all on her own. Um, But she's certainly not the rambunctious, rebellious young heroine of many novels for children. 
But at the start of our story, Mrs. Frisbee is faced with a dilemma. Spring is coming, which means that the farmer in whose garden the Frisbee family lives during the winter will soon plow his garden. And that means the Frisbees must make their annual move to the nearby riverbank where they live during the summer. And they must move before the farmer plows or they will all be plowed right along with the soil. Now, usually the Frisbees plan for this, make their move in plenty of time, and it's not a problem. But this year, one of Mrs. Frisbee's sons, Timothy, is very sick and unable to make the journey to the riverbank. If they try to move, he will almost certainly die on the journey. But if they don't move soon enough, they will all die when the farmer plows. So Mrs. Frisbee needs help. She first um, seeks advice from an older mouse, Mr. Ages, who gives her some medicine that will help Timothy, but probably won't fully heal him in time for the necessary move. So then Mrs. Frisbee seeks help from an old owl, and he advises her to go to the rats for help. Well, Mrs. Frisbee has never really dealt with rats before, but she's willing to try anything that might save her family. So she goes to the rats and presents her problem to them. And from there, uh, much to Mrs. Frisbee's surprise, really a completely new world opens up to her that she'd never suspected. I almost said a whole new world opens up to her, but that makes me think of the song from Aladdin, which I do not like. So I avoid using that phrase. A completely new world opens up before Mrs. Frisbee's eyes. Uh, the rats unexpectedly become her friends and allies, and they do invent a plan to save her family from the farmer's plow without endangering young Timothy's health. Uh, but then perhaps even more surprisingly, a new danger arises that threatens the community of rats, and it's Mrs. Frisbee who finds herself able to help them in return. So that is a basic plot summary without revealing spoilers. Um, this, this is an odd book, <laughs> The unusual blend of fantasy and sci-fi I've already discussed a bit, although I couldn't reveal how the sci-fi element comes into the story exactly. And I also mentioned the strange fact that the main characters are all adults. I mean, yes, animals, but still, whether human or animal, a lot of main characters in children's novels are children. Um, but the children in this book are all definitely secondary characters. Uh, but in addition to those oddities, uh, the structure of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim is also a bit out of the ordinary. It has a slow start, uh, then the middle is a long flashback into the past, and then the last, very roughly third of the book, returns to the present time, and I think that part is very compelling. Um, so I should mention, don't give up if you find the beginning kind of slow going. Um, the first chapters don't very accurately represent what the later chapters become. You start for a little while by just following this widowed mouse around as she goes from character to character looking for advice. Uh, but then once you meet the rats 
and they start telling their whole story, that's when I felt that the story really started to get interesting. Their flashback, which explains who they are, where they come from, and why they are the way they are, um, is kind of the heart of the book. And in many ways is what sets this story apart from other animal stories for children. Um, these are not your typical farmyard animals. The rats especially, they are super intelligent um, for reasons explained in the book, and they are super moral. It's fascinating. These rats have a moral consciousness way above and beyond what you normally see in animal characters in this kind of setting. The rats recognize that the typical rat mode of life, uh, i.e. getting their food by stealing rubbish and extra grain and things from the farm, is immoral. They recognize it as theft and therefore wrong. Uh, so these rats have this whole plan to literally become a self-sustained farming community themselves. It's kind of hilarious and also endearing because you can't help but respect these rats who want to aim high, you know, uh, and not settle for the thieving way of life that their peers resort to. Uh, but seriously, I mean, I have, I have never read a book with rats that were so sympathetic uh, and even noble. Rats are usually the bad guys in animal stories, right? They're kind of gross, they're mean, they're sneaky. Not these rats. These ones are very special. And that kind of leads me to a quick discussion of the primary themes in this book. Really, the two main concerns of the book thematically are, I think, education and self-sacrifice. So first of all, education or the, the acquisition of knowledge. As I said, the rat characters are super intelligent and the education that brought them to this place of intelligence is one of the key issues of the book. How does education happen? How do we learn and develop our minds? And more importantly, what other things beyond itself can education bring us? Or in other words, how can learning shape not only our minds, but also our souls? As strange as it may sound, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim is concerned with moral education to some extent. The more that the rats learned about how to think logically, how to process information, how to remember the past and plan for the future, the better they were able not only to understand themselves, but to understand others and to understand the world around them and their place in it. So here's the point. When education teaches us not just what to think, but how to think, it sets us on a road to understanding just about anything we're presented with in life. Uh, when we're taught how to think and given a desire to keep learning more and more, the whole world is open to us. And moreover, the better we're taught how to think, the better we can make careful, responsible, moral judgments. So, in O'Brien's fictional world in this story, normal rats 
don't think twice about stealing food. Educated rats understand that this is wrong and strive to figure out a way to avoid this wrong. And yes, this all sounds a bit funny because we're talking about a bunch of animals, but of course all this is meant to picture truths in the real world, in human life. You and I should love learning, and we should strive for a moral education, not just an education that feeds us the right answers about what to think, but an education that teaches us how to think. Now, all that said, neither I nor Robert O'Brien is saying that a good education is a fix-all for moral problems in the world. Even in his book, there are a few of these super intelligent rats who disagree with the rest in thinking that stealing is wrong. Like the others, they've been well-educated, but for whatever reason, they haven't developed as much of a moral conscience as the rest, or at least maybe they're ignoring their conscience. So education, even a good one, is not a surefire way of creating moral individuals. Each of us still has to choose whether to respond positively to the truths we're taught. But a good quality education is vital to introducing us to these truths. Uh, Do with them what we may. But... Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim goes beyond the learning process and does portray what a well-developed moral conscience, what true nobility looks like. Yes, even through characters that are rats and mice. Uh, and this, this nobility is shown, I think, most powerfully through instances of courage and self-sacrifice. So Mrs. Frisbee first early in the story, demonstrates self-sacrifice by saving the life of a young crow, uh, though she puts herself at risk in doing so. But she does it because it's right and because she cares about others. Then the rats similarly demonstrate a readiness to put themselves at risk for the sake of others. We see examples of this throughout uh, the flashback when they tell Mrs. Frisbee their whole history And then we definitely see it in the climax of the story's conflict, uh, though I won't spoil how that plays out. But courage, loyalty, and friendship, all praised throughout the story, are put to the test most impressively when characters must choose between their own personal well-being and the safety and happiness of others. And O'Brien depicts for us several really beautiful examples of characters choosing self-sacrifice when it's not easy. And so more than anything else, I think this is what makes Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim a story worth reading and remembering. So yes, I am recommending this novel. It is generally classified as middle-grade fiction, so it is appropriate for fairly young kids, and I think would make a great family read-aloud as well. My only small warning, as I know my most conservative listeners would want to know about this, uh, is that the novel does contain a couple references to evolution. Um, So do with that what you will, I just thought I should mention it. 
Otherwise, I don't have any reservations in recommending Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. This is a novel I thoroughly enjoyed reading, even in my 20s. I had never read it as a kid myself. Uh, but it's definitely a book I would let my children read and would enjoy discussing with them. It's wholesome and warm-hearted and is built on an intriguing, thought-provoking premise. And all in all, it's themes not only of learning and of self-sacrifice, but also of family and friendship uh, and perseverance and heroism make for truly a worthy, uplifting story. So there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed today's review of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Next week, on the last Wednesday, in fact, the last day of March, I will be reviewing the novel True Grit, written by Charles Portis. Uh, this book is unlike most books I read. I've read uh, almost zero Western novels, actually. I guess I've watched more Western movies than books, for sure. Um, and that said, I mean, True Grit is a Western, but I think it's an unusual Western in that the main character is not a cowboy, but is a 14-year-old girl. So maybe I still haven't read a proper Western novel, I'm not sure. But be that as it may, True Grit was an interesting read, and I hope you'll join me next week for our discussion of this novel by Charles Portis. As always, I'm your host, Rochelle Ferguson, and if you'd like to learn more about me and my skits and play scripts I write, you can head to my website, kittywamproductions.com, linked in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Next week.